Oh, so many bars. My bars are so much bigger than your bars. They're bigger. They're more colorful too, by the way. More varied. And welcome back to another episode of Refactored, the show for developers, those who work with developers and or those who manage a herd of developers. We'll uh, help you suck just a little bit less each day on that never ending quest for professional improvement. My name is Frank Cole. And I am Chris Tonkinson. And today is April 13th, 2021, episode 018. So last week, we said that we would go into a little bit of hiring because COVID has actually let up a little bit and I actually need to get some people on board. And you said the same thing. So wait a minute. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Two weeks ago, I prom- I teased. I made a promise we were going to talk mm-hmm. about licenses and we did. Mm-hmm. And now last week, you made a promise we were going to talk about something this week and we are. Uh, I mean, so yeah. You- you're telling I, me we're, that we're, we actually kept two consecutive promises on this show? Should, I don't know if we should be doing this. We're kind of you I know, feel like pigeonholing I feel ourselves like on, into a higher level of uh, of, of wealth. I don't want people less. to. Th- <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want people to think that I have integrity and I could be taken at my word here. I I feel like maybe on principle we should talk about race cars or horses or something, <laughs> just to set the precedent. Well, I, I mean, the only thing that I actually kicked myself about was I actually uh, I realized it afterwards, but I could have teased because I wanted to talk about about hirings, particularly from the we um, I went back and actually listened to our first episode and uh, we covered a lot from the from the applicant side. We touched a little bit on the company side. And so I wanted to focus more on the company side today and talk about good practices for employers when they're when they're going to hire technical people. And I failed to tease last week that part of what I want to talk about is there's a couple of you know super secret, super awesome things that you can look for on the resume that are easy to spot and most people otherwise ignore. And it's a great way to spot diamonds in the rough. And I completely failed to do my little hook on that last week. So I yes, you do- went back and listened to episode one. I yeah. mean, we, that was we were just kids back then. I don't even remember what I was doing all the way back in episode one. Yeah. So I will I will uh, commit to to covering that stuff over the course of the uh, of the conversation here. But uh, yeah, I wanted today to to talk about hiring because covid has been releasing its tendrils on business, at least mentally. I, I saw an immediate shift in things with the with the calendar year. I, I think a lot of companies just collectively went, okay, that's enough. We're going back to work. And it has just slowly been been doing that more and more rapidly. And so we're actually looking to hire. And you said you were looking, you were doing some hiring too. I've got a couple of positions open as well, technical and, and non-technical. And I think that's, that, isn't that, a, isn't that, a, I don't know. I don't have like data because I'm not a smart guy. Isn't there a trend that generally you see a lot of hiring in Q1, right? It's a new year, well, yeah. you get new budgets, new initiatives, you're going to start things, you got to bring people on. So I think having been almost a year into COVID, we're starting to talk about vaccines and there's also a little bit of people are just getting sick of it combined with the new year, the new budgets. Um, I think that makes sense. It's less hard tied to the seasons the way that purchasing a house is. You know, you basically only buy houses in the in the the spring and summer. You know, any any agent would tell you. But you're you're right. Since most budgets follow the calendar year, 
they get renewed and approved in the in January and then they start hiring into well right about now and so um but I, honestly I I do a lot of I've done a lot of hiring in the in the late late stages of the year too so I I don't know if it's totally tied to that but you're right there's definitely a trend there no sure. not I'm not saying any individual team only hires in Q1 I think there's a general trend that when yeah, new yeah. initiatives are begun the kind of things where you're bringing on big teams and systems and things it's there's a little bit of seasonality mm-hmm. um, and i'm not talking about like retail or any foods at that none of that I, we're talking about tech here right um, right so um you and i did when we when we were running our own shop when we were running forge software we sat down and put together our ideal hiring plan based on everything that we had hated about every application system we'd ever gone through, either gone through ourselves or been a part of companies and seen the interviewing that they did and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we and it was a very Michelangelo process. It was a very reductive process. We're like, OK, we have this all of the all of the possibilities for hiring. And I don't want that. And I don't want that. Yeah. And I don't want that. <laughs> and I hate that. And I don't like this. I don't yep. think there was any one thing we said, oh, I really like when. No, it was that sucks and that sucks. And it all goes. It's all garbage. <laughs> and then at the end of it, we wound up with a pretty good looking statue. I think it's it was um, it was <laughs> you're you're right. And it's it's almost it's indicative of the process. I think just how much it was focused on the negative of not doing this and not doing that in the course but out of, of that. We got some, some point though. We flipped. We flipped yeah, because yeah. we started we started to see we started to okay, see well, what if was not left. this then yeah. then, then the took- inverse. We took away all of the coarse grain chunks of awful, and then we started to see the outline of what was underneath, and then that started to help us clarify what we did want. Mm-hmm. Then it became even easier to cut everything else out. And since then, I think in my processes, um, I have remained focused on what I did want more than what I didn't. I certainly learned from mistakes, but um, yeah, that's an interesting. I, I never really thought about it before. The the there was an inflection point. Mm-hmm. Along the way, yeah, um, where we went from a reductive process to to a, a constructive one. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I, I think it came out of just focusing in. Okay, well, if it's not all of these other things, then what is the what is the alternative? And, and inevitably, it was it was positive because I, I want all this. I don't want this crappy stuff. I want the good stuff. So what I thought we could do is quickly. I thought we could go through the basic outline of what we. Put together because I don't think there was anything magical there. It was just again, it was it was it was really you know carving things out and speak about it in general terms. And then uh, I thought we could trade war stories on things we've done since we put that together. If there were any any new learnings, well, I know I know our so at, at one point when we were working together, we we obviously had a process, um, but I think they have probably diverged for different Mm -hmm. reasons since. And I'm interested to hear how yours has changed and why and what the, you know, what you think about that. Um, Well, I share the same, the same on my side. Yeah. So you, you had, um, you know, we took our process to um, what you have been, you have basically taken our, taken our existing process and continued it because you have continued to own that process as we initially established. It's it's kind of, but it's, it's, it's changed along dimensions that weren't present, weren't extant when we were refining it. Right. And so it is, it is an extension of the, of the same process that we've used. Um, it changed in ways that I, I wouldn't have chosen. 
Um, but I'm still things were things were foisted uh, upon still, you. Yeah, still still yeah. satisfied with the results. What I have is an evolution, but there were different environmental factors that led to where it is now versus where I would have taken it given my druthers. Gotcha. But I, I, so I'm curious to hear what uh, I'm curious to hear where you're at. Okay, and then on the flip side, I I shifted away to another company that already had an established process, and I sort of adopted and inherited that and and have um supported and maintained with with the team it, it hasn't been a solo endeavor there was a there was actually a, a small organization inside the company that was responsible for for maintaining this thing and so that that has been that has been interesting um and the overlap is pretty pretty interesting too so anyway all right so our our original our original game plan we started from the premise that all interviewing sucks and we just need to make it suck less and I, I think there's a theme before here. it was cool before, before it was, it was cool. cool. And so first thing we had to deal with was the fact that it was just the two of us and any hiring that we had done, uh, any hiring that, that I had been a part of up, up until that point was that was, was like drinking from a fire hose. You would put out a job listing and you just get inundated with applications and a lot of it was noise, but there were uh, you had to go through the applications to find the the potentials. And it was it was just a matter of, OK, I got to I've got to narrow this down. Like, I've just got to get this under control. And we so the, can, the constraint there is that it, it's a good problem to have to have too many resumes, which tends uh, the to issue be the is, case usually. Well, no, it doesn't. And that's why my process has diverged. We can talk about that. Oh, so okay. you, 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 get, you get too many applications. That's a good problem to have. But how do you solve it? Mm -hmm. Right. You want to spend a meaningful amount of time with the candidates, commensurate with your sense that they may be the, the final round, you know, where, where somebody you want to extend an offer to. So mm -hmm. how do you calibrate that was right. kind of the biggest Really, really, I would say that so we, we both knew a lot of things we hated and there was that reductive process. But I think the the idea of how you allocate time and how you structure the process to maximize the time with the people you want to spend it with um, was kind of the driving architectural problem. Because it was just patterned. the two of us. Right. Because we didn't yeah, have an HR yeah. team. I didn't have recruiters. It was it was just us doing the entire process yeah. soup to nuts. And so time commitment was a huge thing because while you were hiring it it could be if if you had a lot of applications it could completely consume your day reviewing resumes responding setting up interviews conducting the interviews doing follow up conversations i mean it was it was it was full time which i work, have to which you can't do which i have to argue as we've as we've said before is not inappropriate when you consider that hiring and firing well is your most important responsibility as a leader that being said while you're doing this you still have business that needs yeah, to get done. Yeah, you have other things that need so, to get done. So yeah, you, it should have your attention. But the problem is that it's not the only job. And so we were coming at this without a, a lot of a lot of support, which I think most people who are in a hiring position can probably appreciate. Sometimes you luck out and you've got recruiters and things like that. And I'm fortunate to have a little bit of that now. But still, it's it's a lot of it's just a lot of legwork that you have to that you have to go through. So the first thing we wanted to do was a filter. We wanted to minimize how much time we spent on anybody until we actually had some level of uh, certitude that they were decent. So when we, because the higher positions we were hiring for as, as were technical, we always focused in on, we had the tech skills. And so what we did was put a, 
Uh, first step was a was a resume screen, but it was a super duper 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 fast screen, like 30 seconds tops. And you just make a gut check. Could be definitely not. And that was it. And it went into one of those two piles and then definitely not important to note. <clears throat> important to note, we had a rule there uh, two to say yes, one to say no. So we had to be aligned at any phase in the process. We had to be aligned that a candidate would move. And I think it was like seven steps by the end of it, all inclusive, yeah. the, the whole process. You, you, Both of us had to agree it was a yes before a candidate would move from step one to step two. And uh, maybe is a no. So if if yes. if you said yes and I said maybe candidate was denied, right? And that initial resume review, yeah, I do remember that as as step one, and it was like a minute or less. And really, my goal there was always just to make sure that the person was: are they in the wrong industry? Do they have way wrong level of experience? And are they speaking a different language? Or really, it's 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 that simple. Is this an applicant that looks on the face of it? Gut check like they are actually a senior software developer, let's say. If it was somebody who you're looking for a senior engineer, they're fresh out of college, they're gone. If it's somebody that uh, you're looking for a senior developer and they uh, they sell cars, gone, right? Like you, <laughs> you're in the right industry and do you have approximately some experience commensurate with where, and then we're done. That was it. Yeah. Now, now uh, I want to clarify that, though, because two to say yes, one to say no. We always did that, which was I think was a great rule. And any you should and do maybe that is you. no. And now maybe is no. However, we got to we got to clarify that because maybe means no extends throughout the process. You could get to a client at the very end, at the last stage. And if and if you're feeling maybe then at that point, you're feeling maybe. So no. And you just you just dump them. So the maybe at the yeah, resume, that wasn't just that wasn't just the resume. That's right. That was that was all the way through two to say yes. And maybe is a no all the way. Right. But the maybe up front, though, I want to the, the reason I want to dig into dig in this a little bit. The maybe up front was, OK, I am I am definitely certain that this person could be a fit. So there's kind of a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of meta going on there, you know, because, you know, okay, this is definitely right. not so a there was fit. A, it's in your assessment yeah. because you, you cannot, you can't look at a resume and say with really much of any certitude that that person is or is any. not going to be a fit, but you can get, you're looking for just a modicum of confidence enough so that you can get to, and we talked about this in the first episode, get to a point where you could say this person could be a fit, get to that next stage and have that conversation. You just want to, I'm interested enough to have the conversation. And so it's it's a it's a definite maybe. <laughs> if it's a maybe, maybe, then it's a no. Does that make sense? Yeah, may, maybe's a no, <laughs> maybe's a no. And then for the resume, uh, for the resume screen, you're grading on a curve. Right, exactly. And so that was a way to screen out a bunch of noise. Now, now our funnel just naturally got a little bit smaller. So the next step, we wanted to we want to do a little bit more digging into the ones that we've got. And so what what we did was form letter response. Hey, thanks for your application. You seem like you might be a good fit. We have a code test for you. We'd like you to complete this code test. And we made our code test uh, really short. It was three questions. They were from a technical perspective. St- 
stupid easy. <laughs> like we went with really, really basic baby's first code level. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I we had a SQL query that did a sum with a group by kind of thing, and you know, some baselines, like a basic fifth you had buzz a, you had thing. A- you had to, you, so I remember them that there, there was in, in whatever line, if you were Ruby or Java, C sharp, whatever the position was for mm-hmm. server side language, you would have a, a fizz buzz type problem. The, the second one was a SQL. You had to do a group by having whatever, um, wasn't a complex query, but, but you know, you, you had to know more than just select. And then the third one was JavaScript. You had to count the total number of elements in. Uh, arbitrarily nested lists or something like this. Um, mm-hmm. And the SQL and JavaScript were the same across the board because in those days we were just, we were always looking for full stack developers. Um, and then the first question was the same question, but you chose your language appropriate with the role. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And, and it was, it was literally can't, because you would be surprised. And this is one thing I didn't know before I started hiring. You would be surprised how many people either purport themselves to be or have alleged experience in the industry being a software developer and can't write a loop to save their lives. They could not, they could not uh, write a function to get themselves out of a paper bag. And so mm-hmm. this was just a check. Do you actually know how to write a single line of code? It was not meant to take long. It was not meant to be thorough. It was not meant to be deep or wide. It was not meant uh, to really assess, well, do they understand the nuance? No. Can you write a line of code? That's all I care about. That's it. It was the only thing that mattered. And the programming a, equivalent of do you have a pulse? Yeah. Now, there's there's a there's a little bit of insider baseball here that's that's kind of hiding under the surface. Um, first of all, I think you covered the one thing. A lot of people are really good at BSing their resumes and we need to filter that out. And some basic code checks were an easy way to do that. Now, if you're not hiring for a technical position that you, you can still you can still do this. You just have to present them with questions that are fundamental and very basic and elemental in your field of expertise, whatever it is, and just have them complete. It. Now, it should also be short. OK, you want it to be short for for uh, a couple of reasons. Uh, one, um, you when the when your applicant is in your in your pipeline, you're kind of keeping a mental log of how much time they're spending with you. And you 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 only get so much time before they go, OK, this is a lot of my time and attention and I, I'm going to be I got to look elsewhere while I'm doing. this. You know what? We should we should stop. I don't want to you're on a roll, but I, I want to go back here because that form okay. letter template when we introduce. So we we get a resume in and mm-hmm. we do a, a 30 to 60 second rev, a screen. I'll say mm-hmm. a screen because review was later. We do the resume screen that that form that template email that went back to those that we were interested in, uh, or I should say those that we didn't exclude at that step, uh, that letter did not just say, here's the code test and here's your link. That letter actually laid out the whole process. Yes. Because that, and that was Good an call. intentional move. Good call. One of the things we did, one of the things we hated was being on an interview and not knowing if this was the second round of two or the second round of nine and what mm-hmm. the other stages look like, because I may want to say something. I may want to present a certain myself in a certain light along a certain dimension, and this might be the interview to do it. But it also may be appropriate to hold that for round five if I know there are six rounds. And so we laid out. It was a, actually a fairly lengthy email. This is our process. 
here are all of the steps. We laid them out in a, in a numbered list, step one, step two, step three. And we said at every step, we will give you an explicit yes or a no, because we don't want to leave you dangling. And, and we laid that out. And we had a lot of people who passed the resume screen and then self-selected out because they didn't like how long and arduous the process was. And that was intentional. Making the process long didn't help us. It caused us to spend more time. Making the process long helped the team because we could vet candidates and anybody who self-selected out of a process just because it had a couple more steps they didn't want to take part in, um, is my opinion, they weren't going to work out anyway. Well, we didn't um, make it. And, but we, we, we laid out. We, yeah, we, we, did, we laid out, but I don't think we ever made it overtly, deliberately onerous. But by seeing all of the individual steps, you did, you, we, you weeded out the candidates who were looking for those, those you know, those. No, real- not, not that we made the process arduous for its own sake or to hassle the candidate, but we laid out the process in full detail for the candidate up front with time. Estimates and then we too, did by have people that we had time with, estimates yeah, on that. Hey, too. this is going to take one minute. This is going to take 15 minutes. This is going to take an hour and a half, right? With each thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had people self-select because they didn't want to go through the process. Great. <laughs> that, that I mean, it fit the goal of, mm-hmm. of filtering out somebody who probably wouldn't have worked out anyway. Right. And every single step along anyway, the way, I'm sorry, I interrupted. You were on a thing about, about that's OK, because uh, this, this fits uh, that's that second step. I, I got it. I got it. Yeah. It's, it's OK. I can pick it up here. It's, it's, it's OK. So, uh, oh, you can you can pick up the broken I, I can shards up, of the can, conversation that, that I just smashed, shattered on yes. the kitchen floor. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. That's so that's I can, so I, can do, I don't need you, you to make that. No, I don't need your help, quote unquote, anymore. I don't need any more of that. I need you to go over to the corner and just sit quietly for a second. <laughs> for a second. Thank you. Uh, so the. The entire process from start to finish, every t- single time we are trying to to weed people out. We are actually trying to squeeze the candidate list down and trying to eliminate. Well, duh, you're saying, you know, that's that's how an application process goes. No, 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 no. You don't under maybe you don't understand what I'm actually trying to say is we're making the prod the, the we, while supportive of all the individual candidates, the process itself is designed to actually be uh, antagonistic in the sense like we're, we're, we're putting hurdles in front of you and you you either clear them or you don't. And that natural self-selection eliminates a whole host of manual selection that we have to do later. So I send this a bunch of applicants come in and I, you know, I separate some chaff from that. We do a form letter response. A whole lot of people who get that form email will never respond. And I'm not going to think about them ever again. That's it. I'm not getting, I'm not giving you follow-ups. You're done. The code test. Well, see- and, and because part of it <clears throat> and, and part of like not being arduous on purpose and not being antagonistic to the candidate, uh, but being, I don't want to say ruthless. Is that the right word? We weren't ruthless. We were, um, uh, we uh, were, uh, I, I, very strict, harsh. I'll say. Yeah. Uh, harsh, yeah, tough. I don't know. The bar, the bar was high. We had high standards. And the reason for that is that we came to learn that when you ignore a red flag during an interview, it will come back to bite you. It always comes back. Every time. All ten times out of ten times, if you pick up a red flag during the interview. 
yes, yeah, you'll have somebody that comes back and hits you again. That, and so, and so the one of the reasons the process is long is to give us maximum exposure with the candidate to give us enough time to where we feel like if there were red flags, we'd be able to spot them if we were paying attention. And mm -hmm. so, anybody that showed a red flag, hey, I know from experience this may not work out in the long term. Um, and so and so that that was a contributor towards this sort of funnel style multi stage. Uh, and it's not, you know, to your point, Frank, it wasn't that we were wasn't that we were trying to be a jerk. It's that we really wanted to be thorough and try to set up as many scenarios as we can, not to trap the candidate, but just to get to know them so mm -hmm. that we can so that we can see them for who they really are, because everybody has flaws. And it doesn't mean that if you had a flaw in an interview that we were going to say no thanks. If we saw a red flag that you weren't going to be able to work with the team, that was a much larger issue. Right. Right. Uh, and so the 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 code test sort of fit this fit the same bill. We were trying to you know baseline can you code, but just like okay, I sent you an email, you have to read it, you have to respond. Okay, I'm going to give you a code test. You have to complete it. It's a thing you have to go and do. So a bunch of people would respond and say, yeah, we're interested. Okay, I send you the code test, and then a bunch of people would fall off at that point, and they wouldn't complete the code test. And so every single step is doing this this self selection. Now, while while the process is sort of is presenting hurdles that way we're also trying to present ourselves with the you know with an absolutely you know best positive face we wanted candidates to be uh we we knew that they were interviewing us as much as we were interviewing them and i feel like a lot of companies forget this and they they look at themselves as the center of the Huge of mistake. the earth center of the universe okay so the we were trying to put our our best foot forward we wanted to be we wanted to look good to candidates because we knew that they were looking at us as much as we were looking at them so the letter was set up to do that hey here's our whole process and you know everything that's going to happen we're laying that whole thing out we talked about benefits and things like that and we can talk about applications too but we we uh or excuse me uh listings job listings um and when the code test was done. The next step after that was a was a phone call, and we we would walk through their results with them. We would answer any questions. We would get their feedback on the process and and make adjustments as as necessary. So even though the process itself is designed to weed people out, we were positioning ourselves in the company to be uh, transparent, supportive, making it look you know making the process itself easy. You only have to worry about giving us the you know answering the questions. You don't have to worry about tracking us down and scheduling things you know we tried to do as much of yeah. that legwork as possible so that they could just focus on the the application because the reality is especially in tech it's an in-demand market it is a it is an employee's market and so i well, the sad thing knew. is statistically speaking if you yeah the sad thing is sorry i stepped on you there the sad thing is statistically speaking if you send one application to a company you are not going to get a response if you right. send two applications out to different companies, you're not going to get a response, right? And that's certain companies, not a good look. Certain for companies, right? Uh, we didn't do yeah. that. I, I didn't do that. I mean, the only way that you would have, the only way I could see an applicant coming in twice and me ignoring it the first time and seeing it the no, second. No, no, I meant, I meant if you, 
what I meant is if if you if you send like if if I'm a if I'm looking for a job and I send mm-hmm. an application to two different companies, yeah. statistically, I'm still unlikely to hear any response. Mm. <laughs> like in oh, other words, oh, in it, general, right? You know, right? And so in and, general, and, yeah, yeah. And that's another that's another thing that we were we were cognizant of when you're looking for a job. That's a job, and it's a ton of work. And a lot of companies, it always frosted me the way some of these application processes basically put themselves in the center of the universe and were completely oblivious or indifferent to the fact that you that your application to your company is not the only one. And I am not sitting at the phone waiting for that that one. And yet they act like, no, oh, no, we want yeah. the, 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 the the trigger line for me was always something to the effect of, well, we want to know that they're interested. We want to know that they that they're really interested in working for our company. You know, I, you know, I want I want to make sure that they're genuinely, yeah. you know, fervently on board with us. Let's get something straight here. You are one of a hundred plus applications that a person is going to submit in a week. And this person is going to take the job that is the best fit for them. Period. Part of that is the company you are itself. Not God's gift. To you the are industry. not God's gift to nothing. And part of it is your company and its and its culture and its personality. And there's time to talk about that for sure. But up front, you're both doing box checky type of tasks. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. And so when they throw these massive tasks, no. In, in fact, front, in fact, front, I'm going to double down on that. I'm going to double down on that and I'm going to say it's your job as the leader once you have people in the door to get them excited about your mission, to get them committed to the company, to get them to buy into the vision. That's your job once they're in. Your job is not to sit at the gate and pretend like anybody that doesn't kiss the ring is a lesser form of person. Right. Right. Because there's even even with the the back and forth that you have, even with a a fairly um, detailed or thorough process, they're still only going to come in with you know, bits and pieces of the story and the mission, they're, they're still, they're going to come in based on, okay, this looks like a good fit. The pay is good. The benefits are good. Those are big things too. And I, I would, I mean, honestly, I don't care how altruistic or amazing the company is. If I can't put food on the table, I'm walking out the door. So there's, there is a, yeah, there, well, there, there can get, be a mismatch. People get a, in the they get ahead of them. So they try nuts. to outthink themselves. Yeah, they 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 outthink themselves uh, like that. This is not me trading hours for dollars. I have I have skills. Those skills have value. You have money. Uh, you know, you need value. I need money. That's that's the deal. OK, now let's talk about some of the details and logistics, but let's not confuse what this actually is. Right. We're not. Oh, we're all like a family here. Uh, oh, yeah. Nothing chaps my hide more that we're not. <laughs> are not off this is a business it's I, a business oh my gosh now there are people there's an, episode, and- there's an episode of the office where uh where michael scott calls calls his old boss and he's like hey i need help i have to make a decision and people aren't going to like me and the boss goes on this angry grumpy old man tirade and he says why can't your family be your family your friends be your friends and your co-workers be your co-workers and he draws this hard line but and i'm you know and i i think too much of that is not necessarily healthy we can be friendly no, at mean, work, you, but we can be friendly let's never f- cordial but let's never forget what is gluing all of these people together right. under that logo is income like right. the ultimately 
because because and and if you want to test this, go ahead and delay your payroll by a week and see what happens. <laughs> I check. Like, see what I'm, happens. I'm the guy. I'm the meme with the guy at the coffee table uh, at the card table with the coffee in the park. Like, change my mind. You know, mm-hmm. stop paying people and see how committed they are to your vision. <laughs> Right. So 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 the highfalutin language is, I think now, again, I, I we don't have any research other than ourselves and the years that we've been doing this. OK, so, you know, your your mileage may vary. Your personal experience may vary. But that you know, the, the, that that sort of highfalutin center of the universe talk always always turned me off. And the other thing that always turned me off, too, was talking about um especially in in startup scenarios or uh companies that are oriented around a uh a certain individual um there was the um who, who's the um oh, the the debt free guy uh the one who who does Dave the, Ramsey Dave Ramsey okay so i actually applied to Dave Ramsey's company and did you yeah i did uh they were um they were fairly nice they were cold fusion shop and I was not cold fusion. So I, I, I was not a, I was you not a, could not be more wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. So all I, I had to say, about I, I, that. I turned out not to be, not to be a very good fit for that, but in just, just technically speaking, but in the course of that interview process, the first, the first call, a lot of it centered on Dave and like, you know, who Dave is and what Dave wants. And, you know, this is, Dave's goals for the world and all this. I mean, the 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 recruiter was talking in in very highfalutin language, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, the fact that it would be working for Dave Ramsey was kind of neat, I guess. I I, I don't care. Tell me about what what is the stuff that you're building? What does it do? What's it built in? How big's your team? And all this other kind of stuff. And I wasn't getting any of that. I was getting all of this all of this very like glory speak type stuff and. When 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 I got turned down, I was like, I don't I don't care. (laughs) That is I think a lot of that. I think a lot of well, I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to be the company where you expect that people coming in the door have a certain philosophical attitude. Right. That 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 is in alignment with your business goals. I don't I don't think there's anything. No, I I 110 percent agree. That's not what this is. Okay, so just make sure we're comparing apples to apples here. What I. If you're if your company is mission oriented, then talking about the mission absolutely makes sense. And sure, there was some of that in there, but there was what I am trying to describe is is a cult of personality type mm-hmm. of type of companies. Uh, another example, I can't remember the name of the company because it was so small, but, you know, the the recruiter talked a lot about the uh, the founder and the founders vision for the company and what the founder wanted to do and the founder mm-hmm. this and the founder that the founder, founder about like a Gavin Belson type yeah uh, exactly type you know it, it, yeah. I, and again yes they are a key part and leadership is a huge part of the if not the critical part of the success or failure of any given business I I get all that but that's not the job the founder is not the job talk about the work and yeah but I think we're I think we're responsible for this. And, and when I say we, I mean uh, millennial generation. You mm. on the the borderline, and me as an earlier uh, earlier millennial. I think the this well, we we have to have purpose in our work, and we have to all of these mm-hmm. kind of soft things. We need the affirmation, and we need the you know all of this. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. You want to have a job that's social impact. Fine, that's you can go find that. But 
um, the idea that now r- recruiters, hiring managers, that that companies, HR departments have started to adjust their process to fit the market. Well, the market is now majority millennials, right? That's the big mm-hmm. that's the big segment of the workforce. And so, what do they care about? How do we attract them? It's it's a lot of the softer stuff. And it's weird to me, though, to your point, that that is not that it's there because I'm not mad about that it's there, but that it has seemingly overtaken Overshot that actual job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're saying uh, is it's like, yeah, some of that's OK, but too much is like there's all whipped cream and no pie. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you need some of that emotion. You need to buy. They talk about buying into the mission, buying into the vision. Yeah. And there is absolutely yeah. some of that because that buying into the mission and vision is what gets people to work long hours when crap hits the fan or to work. If a I'm an animal rights activist in my spare time, I'm not going to go to work for John's butcher shop in his web t- department. Right. I mean, there's right. a there's a lot like you have to. Yeah, there has to be some alignment there. Uh, but the proportion. Yeah, I've been on some interviews like that as well, where the proportionality is. That's a good way, way of putting off. it. Proportionality of these things is, is, is really what I'm getting at. And if it can feel out of whack. And I feel like a lot of that stuff should wait for later stages. Your intro call should be high level mission vision, just blurb, high, you know, elevator pitch, move on, talk about the job, talk about the requirements, talk about the process, all of that practical stuff. There is plenty of time in higher late stage conversations to have the highfalutin language and 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 talk about that kind of stuff. That's where it belongs. When you're actually having a conversation face to face, ideally with a person who is uh, inside and 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 responsible for 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 those kinds of things. So anyway, total tangent. So we did resume screen super fast. Uh, letter formed response. It's got everything inside of it that you need to know. It lays out the whole process. Respond to that code test. Make sure you're not a code dumb dumb, and again, make them take the test. It's an they have to put forth time and effort to do so. Get that done. Oh yeah, there was no there was no skipping a step. There was no skipping a step. But each one of these steps requires recommitment to the interest in the position. And that's a part, another reason why I never liked companies that do an overt wait, effort. Wait to- a minute, wait a minute. Let me push you on that. What's what's the alternative? Is there a step that doesn't require somebody to do something then it wouldn't be a step? Where no, do, I, what's the point? No, no, no. What's the point you're trying to make uh, there? Okay, okay. So so what I'm what I'm saying is that uh I every time I'm doing every time I as the applicant respond and do the thing that you want me to do, I am putting forth effort into that application because I am theoretically still interested. And so it's a way of just each step is an overt or um, is is an overt reaffirmation that, yes, let's keep going. Yes, I'm yes, I'm still interested. That's that's all I'm saying. Was that a design goal for you? Because that was never a design goal for me. Well, no, I mean, it wasn't, but it's basically saying the same thing that we're saying just in the the inverse. You know, we're we're getting every single step we set up is designed to make applicants say no. Well, every applicant that doesn't say no is by definition making an overt. Yes. Well, no, every every step we designed was to give us an opportunity to find a red flag where we needed to say no. Well, there's right. But we also have, I mean, I'm not I'm not arguing that it isn't a virtue of the process where you do have this implicit revalidation of interest from the candidate along the way. I'm just saying I never thought of it that way. That's all. No, I, th- I think we're saying the same thing, just, you know, you know, negative versus positive, you know, because 
Yes, we were looking for red flags so that we could say no. But again, also implied in the process was self-selection. So, the, so think it's oh, all I'm doing. So. All yeah. okay. So all I'm describing is the inverse. Is the is the negative, the photo negative of self-selection. Those who self-select out versus those who self-select in, who choose to respond. And so they. This are, is why I don't like pro-con lists because you wind up saying one thing on one side and then the opposite of that thing on the other side, and then it feels like a lot of redundancy. Right. But then how else am I supposed <laughs> to put my marketing bullcrap out there and show my list with so many? more checkboxes than the then or bars oh so many bars my bars are so much bigger than your bars they're bigger they're more colorful too by the way more varied exactly i mean wider wider that's a trick i don't know if you've noticed this but often even if it's the same scale the bars wider that's just ridiculous i I like i like a little bevel or a gradient in there really like some polish on my bars really you're not talking polished would you would you go so far as a gloss oh put gloss would I? Oh, oh, my friend. Oh, oh, the bars that the bars on my charts that have been glossed over the years. You can't imagine. You peon. You schmuck. So so because each step is actually making applicants recommit because they actually have to choose. They're choosing out or they're choosing in. The fact that they're choosing in means that they're still interested, which means that I do not have to make overt efforts to further push them to show interest. And so oh, I call, see your point. calling out and yeah, calling out companies that, okay, now I want to find yeah. out. I mentioned this a little bit ago. Now I want to find, I want to make sure that they're really interested in us. And I want to make sure they really just want to do what we want to do. So why, why are you prepared to slit your wrist for Gavin Bilson? Like that kind of a you know <laughs> yes, question. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. don't need that crap. You yeah. don't need that right, crap. Right. It miscalculates yeah, the equation. I never, I never thought of that. I, like I said, I never thought of that as a as a property. It is, of course, it's obvious now, but I, already, I never thought yeah, of that exactly. as an explicit property. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, already doing point. it. And so you don't need to do that. And all you're going to do is turn people off because yeah. people see that stuff and they go, oh, yeah. this is a little weird, yeah. but I kind of want a job and your pay scale sounds pretty good. So I'm going to go through with it. It, it, it. Really, nothing good comes from that. So it's about equivalent to what's your greatest weakness? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I actually I'll take greatest weakness questions over this over over the slit your wrist for who was it you were saying again? Gavin Belson. He's the guy that runs the Silicon Valley. The guy. That oh, runs right, the right, Google right. Com- right. Uh, the- <laughs> holy, holy. Uh, so I will take Right, right, right. So I, I will take <laughs> slit your wrist for Gavin Belson over or uh, I'll take. um uh, uh, greatest weakness over your, your wrists any any day of the week. For Gavin Belson. Um, okay. Because, you know, greatest weakness is a stupid, easy question to answer. Oh, I work too hard. You know, I'm too hard on myself. I strive for perfection, blah, blah, blah. So that's, um, anyway. That's easy for you. You're a natural BS artist, though. That's why that one's easy for you. <laughs> it's a stupid question. This is stupid, it really, stupid it is abysmal. Question. Stop asking that question. My gosh. It really is bad. It really, really is bad. Um, so, so that's so that's so we've got we've got a resume screen, minute or less. We send a form letter out that lays out the process. Again, this is for transparency to set expectations and and to give the candidate an ability to self-select out because they don't like the they don't like the value prop of this long process. Um, 
we're going to pass them the code test and that's not necessarily pass fail. We do we do we did look at the results. You know, just because you got all 3 100s doesn't mean you went to the next round just because you didn't get any of them right doesn't mean you didn't get into the next round. There mm-hmm. was some there was interpretation there. Um right. we would do then um we would do then so then we had three calls after mm-hmm. that, I believe. Yep, we did no the, two calls. Two, two calls, calls after that. Two calls after. Yep. That. One was um, one was the culture fit screen, and so that was that was personality. That was um, general alignment with who we are and how we work, and making sure that we were on the same page. Uh, this is going to vary from organization to organization, but generally for us, it was less about what you knew technologically and more about your ability to learn more about your attitude towards uh problems and challenges and uh you know a a a a, a willingness and a and a flexibility around the um the day-to-day efforts and again that will vary but we wanted to we wanted to make sure that they were going to be a good fit for the organization. We deliberately did that before additional technical screen, which is what the second call was. That was a uh, a, a face-to-face conversation talking about technical stuff. But we wanted to make sure that you were, okay, so we have a baseline that you can code. Now we want to make sure you're a good fit for us personality-wise. And so we did that. First, then, assuming that lined up, we effectively double checked ourselves on the technical and dug deeper past can you code and past any samples you might have sent over because we also asked for those too. We asked for like a code sample, something that they're proud of, and we would look at that. And the, the and if I recall correctly, that we had these, we had these. I think it was seven different discrete stages. And at one point, we did have, uh, we did have cooperation with HR. There was an HR screen between the code test and our, um, so so uh, uh, resume screen, form letter, code test. Then we would do a, um, then we would do an HR screen. It was like a half an hour call with our partner in HR. Um, standard kind of questions. And then after that was a resume review. So now we would spend 10 or 20 minutes looking at the resume, looking at online profiles, GitHub, sample code, whatever else you had. We would really dig into that. Then we would go to the culture call, then the nerd call. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I've I've counted correctly, that's like seven or eight steps. And our goal, because we kept metrics, our goal was to calibrate these so that we had about a 50% drop off. Because one of the things you said up front you implied something that I want to make explicit because I don't think it was made obvious. Okay. We were posting for developers on Stack Overflow for a remote position. That's where you get a thousand applicants in a week, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you're posting online for technologists remote, you are going, and if you do it in the right spot, hint, hint, Stack Overflow careers or jobs or whatever they call it now. That's where you want to be. That's where the talent is. Don't worry about Indeed or cyber coders or any of these garbage. LinkedIn's okay, but but Stack Overflow is where you need to be, period. End of story. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where you'd wind up with a thousand applicants in a week. So if you had a thousand applicants and if you had a six or seven or eight stage process and if you were able to calibrate this so you were able to weed out about half of the uh, half of the applicants at every phase, you'd wind up after that nerd call with maybe five to 20 
qualified candidates who had been thoroughly vetted, who you felt good about, that you could then say, okay, who, you know, who are we going to select for this position? Um, but this problem of having too many applicants and not enough time, and our process was designed as a funnel. Not only were we looking to get about half the candidates out at any given stage, or we we would try to calibrate it such that it was easy to, to get kind of that sort of a shape out of the data. Um, but it was important to note that the time up front, we spent very little with the candidate, right? A, a 60 second resume screen does not take a lot of time, even if you've got a thousand of them. Um, sending you a link, a form, a standard form with a link in it does not take a lot of time. Looking at your code results takes a little more time, but not a lot. HR screen, well, that's being done elsewhere. Then it's a 15, 20 minute resume document review. Now we're getting into the point where you've weeded out 50% of your audience three, four, five times already. You're down to a manageable number. Now you can start having these one hour uh, Skype calls um, mm -hmm. to finish it off. And because we wanted to get to that point, that's what we actually cared about. Right. We had to do this upfront work though, just to cut the bulk down because we didn't have time to spend two hours on the phone with a thousand different people. It wasn't going to work. Right. Um, that is why we had two separate one hour calls instead of one two hour call, because you're going to lose at least half your candidates on that culture fit call. And you don't want to be any kind of expectation or weirdness or awkwardness saying we're going to cut halfway through. Right. It's a separate call. Um, it makes it a little you know, easier on all involved for scheduling and, and just for expectational purposes. So that that we kind of wound up with a funnel shape at every stage we'd have less people but our time spent with them would go in the opposite direction it ramped up more time, time per candidate, candidate went went up exactly you you exactly. You, you, you mentioned a, a step that i had honestly uh, almost forgotten because i was going by the, our raw original version but what we added later once we had an h we actually had an hr resource we added an hr screen call just like you said but what made our process different was we did those other upfront steps our personal resume review, the letter response, and the code test. All three of those happened before HR even knew that this person existed, which is the total inverse of what most HR organizations do. It's an oh. HR screen call first. We waited until after we had utilized all the automated steps to, again, try to minimize the amount of time that any one person had to deal with any of this crap. And so when that HR screen call happened, we already had a, a fairly good baseline. And what we were doing there is we were leveraging HR uh, to do what HR does best, assess individuals. My instructions to the the HR person we had, who was, I mean, she was amazing. I, I, I loved her. Phenomenal. <laughs> she was so fantastic. Uh, my instructions to her were not crazy. Make sure they're not crazy. <laughs> and that was that was it, because I mean, every HR nightmare. And, and we and we took and, and at the stage where we went to HR, it was uh, we also took maybe as no. Right. That philosophy was so if we got if yeah. we got notes if back she from said HR no. that said that oh, this guy, you know, this person is on. I don't know. I have concern. Nope. That's a no. That's that a maybe it. from HR. That's a no. Because we 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 knew trusted this person. Her. We trusted her. She was yep. she was good people um, and she really did get it. She got what we were trying to do. Um, and so, and so that was another spot where, okay, I heard a maybe, so that's a no. And then we moved on. She was, she was um, on, she was, was on awesome. board. That now, was a fortunately, really good workflow. Fortunately, uh, you know, from our small, from our, you know, relatively small sample size, she only said no to out of hundreds of apps. I don't know if we did hundreds in that process. Eh, yeah, maybe we did. Um, 
out of, let's say, hundreds of applicants, she only said no a couple of times. So the upfront work that we were doing seemed to be weeding out most of that most of that riffraff, which is good. That's exactly what we would want it to do. Um, so, so HR screen, not crazy. Culture screen, good fit. Technical screen, a uh, little more culture because the person because our because our tech screen wasn't hands on code. It was talking about code. It was talking about what you know, and we were actually focusing in on their communication skills. None of this. None of this. Write code in a Google Doc or something, or on a whiteboard. Ugh. Whiteboard. Ugh. Gag me with a spoon. Yeah. So we sidestepped. We sidestepped all of all of that, and I guess that actually gets a little should, should get a little bit of attention. So the so technical screens. It's less important that you know if your tech screen can be aced. If I have the language docs in front of me, your tech screen sucks because everybody who writes code writes it with the documentation for the languages in question bookmarked and usually open. I have been writing Ruby for five plus years. I still have that documentation open almost every time that I'm writing code. And I'm a damn good Ruby programmer, okay? And so there's if if you're going to require me to remember from memory, recall from memory specific functions and specific declarations and syntax, you're doing it wrong. That crap does not matter. You're doing it wrong. What you want to focus on is the ability to understand fundamentally the concepts that are at play. You know, I don't need to know the sin. I don't need to remember the exact syntax of a SQL join of a specific flavor of SQL join to describe what's happening to that data. And so I'm actually capturing two things with this type of approach. We are looking at their ability to fundamentally understand the concepts that they're building. And then two, their ability to communicate those concepts incredibly important in almost any situation. If it's a, you know, if that engineer, let's say it's a junior, okay, then their ability to communicate becomes very important when they run into roadblocks. Hey, I'm doing a new thing and I need some help. Here's what I've got. If they're leading, kind of self-explanatory, being able to communicate what they need and what they expect and course correct to their team. And then if they're management, more of the same. So it's never, ever not important. and. So our tech screen was just a conversation. Talk to me about this topic. Talk to me about that topic. And then it would be sort of a nerd out. And we, and we would talk in, in deeper technical detail about different things. And we allowed the engineer, the applicant, to actually drive it. And so they actually picked. So we it's would, important to note. It's, it's important to note that we that uh, working through both the, the culture call and the nerd call, um, we didn't have a script. And we explicitly did not have a list of questions. The purpose of those calls was conversation. We wanted a conversation with a right. candidate because too many interviews, one of the things that we hated, one of those big chunks we tore off right at the outset was QA, 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 QA. Mm -hmm. That's not meaningful dialogue that helps two people to get to know each other. We wanted a conversation. So uh, typically what you would handle the, the culture call, I would handle the nerd call. Mm -hmm. I would have categories because we were looking for full stack developers. So I would have categories, database, network, system, algorithms, security, whatever else. 
And then I would have topics under those categories, mm -hmm. joins and indexes and fragmentation and, you know, whatever. And then I would try to I would usually go I would usually stick in one category, exhaust it, move to another. But I would form it in a conversation if somebody said so they didn't know if they didn't know like a lot about the, the network side, then I would probably just skip the network category, move to something else. I dig in where they did seem to have expertise. Nobody ever got anything right or nobody ever got everything right. I think I don't I don't remember anybody that got everything right. Um but it wasn't even a right or wrong. The goal with those is to get the person to say, I don't know. Because if you get them to say, I don't know in the interview, you can be pretty comfortable. They're going to say, I don't know on the job. And that's an important thing. I want to know what you know, but I want to know where what you know ends. And I want to know that when you hit it, you're going to raise your hand and not feel shy because like there's this implicit pressure that since we work in a knowledge field, saying I don't know is somehow a black, you know, a pox against you. That's not... Mm -hmm. That's that's not it. So I would I would strive and I still do, um, even though my process has changed to make it as as conversational as possible, not just this this barrage of of Q&A, because that's boring for me. It's boring for you. And it just it doesn't help. Anybody. Doesn't reveal I've anything. Never, doesn't it doesn't reveal anything. anything. Exactly. Well, there's a there's another angle to this that you're missing. If you give them if you give an applicant a question, a rather open ended question. It makes them more comfortable and confident in their ability to answer it because they can start from somewhere that they feel comfortable. So more comfortable. Yeah. So there's two things. So now, uh, again, insider baseball thing happening here. There's there's two things happening under the hood. Your applicant is naturally going to go where they are strongest. And so if you have if you angle your questions right, then you can tell based on what they pick where their strengths lie. And you can usually, over the course of several questions, deduce where their weaknesses are without them ever actually talking about it. And so an easy example, like a, a easy- But it takes active, it takes active, active listening, listening, which which 90% yes. of humans suck, suck at. at. <laughs> and I, I try to suck less at this every day myself. It takes active listening to do that. Because and because it's so easy to just ask a question, listen for the right answer, and then move on to the next question. Right. You really have to be listening, and and the interview is is the only, like this is the only chance you have to validate whether this person is going to spend forty hours a week with you for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. It is really important to be. I've seen people on interviews just not engaged. What are you on either side of the table? What are you doing in an interview being distracted and disengaged? Mm -hmm. What is more important than that at that moment? I have no idea. Nothing, nothing. The building would have to be on fire. That's about it. In which case you cancel and reschedule so that you can actively listen. So so you are by using an open ended format, they're going to naturally you're, you're going to allow them to play to their strengths. And that gives you a lot of useful intel. The other thing that that does by getting them talking and leaving it open ended without necessarily an explicit end is you're you're giving them enough rope to hang themselves really because once they get talking and once they feel comfortable they're more likely to open up in helpful ways helpful to you sometimes helpful sometimes not helpful to their application but as the applicant always helpful and so gives you a lot of intel that you wouldn't otherwise get. And so when you're when you're asking questions, when you're actually at the stage where you're, you're talking to them, you really want to focus in on getting questions that are 
going to lay the foundation for the kind of area that you want them to talk about and then just kind of step back and take notes and listen and see where they go and then interpret those results later. Generally, the questions that you'll ask will have no right or wrong. They, you know, this, you know, one candidate can absolutely ace it with one question and the other one can absolutely flub it and they can both give, you know, similar sounding answers. It's more about the context of the of their answer and the support, you know, the information around it. So a contrived example, um, if you have somebody applying for a full stack applic- position and you ask them about their their strengths, let's say, which I don't know if that was one of our questions. I don't think it was. But let's say they were talking about their, their you know, tell me about what you've done in a full stack environment. And then they proceed to talk about all the stuff they have built, but everything they've built is using front end technologies. You know, they're talking about React, they're talking about Node, they're talking about there's a um, there's a front end database, JavaScript based DB thing. I can't remember what it what it's called, but like they're they're building the entire application, but it's all this front end stuff. Well, the billion dollar mistake was not the invention of null. It was the invention of JavaScript. <laughs> I actually, I, I, yes, burn but, it to the ground. Well, I mean, burn JavaScript is. I mean, it ground. solves a known. It, it solves an essential problem, but the the problem is it's just no, it so crap. No, it doesn't. You, you, no, it solves it solves an essential problem the way that a, an old Datsun with half a muffler would solve a problem. Yeah, I get you from A to B, but there's nothing <laughs> else about it that's appealing. It was not well designed. It was not well built. It is not well maintained. It has a bunch of legacy crap literally duct taped to the sides of it, and nobody understands how it works. Well, nobody really. They can say, oh, well, we kind of have classes, but it's this and you and you kind of do these other things, and there's this inheritance. You gotta have to, no, it is a garbage. La- I'm going to go on record. I know it's popular to hate on JavaScript. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's not interesting work being done, that the, it can't be very fulfilling work, that uh, it's, you know, but we should also, that all can be true. Two things can be true at once. All of that can be true and it should be burned to the ground. <laughs> so uh, it, it solves an essential function. It is designed like crap. It should be better. Some of the new standards are better. What I actually, my my, my big beef with JavaScript is how is is actually more with the community and this seeming infatuation to solve every problem, programmatic problem under the sun with flipping JavaScript. The fact that Node.js yeah, exists that's understandable is, a, is an abomination, well, in my opinion. Well, Node, so, JavaScript yeah, should Node not be a backend language. There's no reason JavaScript. why. <laughs> why? All right. So let's let's agree on this much. JavaScript should not be running on the server kind of as right, a blanket exactly. rule. But, exactly. But the, the inclination to solve everything in JavaScript there is, I will say, the one salient point there is that so much is being done in the browser or on a mobile device. The market is demanding ever more complicated solutions to be running on their local device over what is increasingly an unreliable network. I'm talking about mobile specifically here, that you are incentivized to put as much as you can on the client so that you don't have to go over the network unless you really have to go over the network. And that sort of has this like network effect of pulling other things into JavaScript that maybe should have never been and are maybe best left alone. Yeah. So that's the one thing that, you know, anyway, so back to the back. To yeah, the let's point let's there. get back on. So, top. for example, front end developer, they just spend all their time talking about JavaScript. They never mention the API or the database once could be something that you want to explore. Um, another thing, but a, a technique for that is instead of saying, uh, well, how is a TLS certificate created or how does an SSL channel work? But 
take don't ask like how or do you know type questions say tell me about tls leave it open an open-ended question to to your point lets them navigate to their comfort zones Mm -hmm. and then it also fosters a more comp tell me about it Mm -hmm. well what do you mean whatever you want to tell it's it's Mm -hmm. it's an open field and i tell them right up front hey i'm going to ask you lots of open-ended questions this is supposed to be a conversation not a q a so let's talk and let's let the conversation flow it's casual yeah you know and so and so tell Mm -hmm. me about tls well you know, I, I know that it's used to secure HTTPS and you have to put like a certificate on your server and then there's a key uh, and you, but you have to get it signed. And that's really all I know. OK, great. That's good. It's we've actually not a bad baseline. answer. It's not a bad answer. We've established a baseline. It's not a bad answer. It is correct. You didn't BS me. And now I feel like, great, if that's what you know, great. I know you know the basics. We can move on. We don't have to berate the point rather than mm-hmm. saying, well, what's the standard implement? What is TLS 1.2? What are the protocol? You know, how does it negotiate cipher suites with the nobody cares, man? Um, <laughs> but it's it's avoiding Q&A. It's asking open ended questions. It's trying to and listening. So if they say, oh, yeah, and it's got to be signed uh, and that's all I know. Oh, what, what do you mean it's got to be signed? Well, it has to be signed by a third party. Well, why? Well, because then everybody knows that it's real. So wait, the third party attestation means that it's real. Why? Well, you can self-sign it because that right. And so you're engaging, you're having a back and forth, you're mm-hmm. you're exploring a little bit. Um, and usually at least once per category, I will explore until I get an I don't know. Um, and for all the reasons that I that I already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the catch with that is in order to have that kind of, on a technical interview, you have to have somebody who is technically savvy enough to do that kind of drill down. You really got to know your stuff. So that's a that's kind yeah. of a that's the flip side. It's it's absolutely valuable and essential. But you you can't you can't expect your HR team to do that. You you need two you things. Have, you, you need to, to know that. this. You need to know the content and you need to have a good BS meter, which most people, I think, do. Yeah. Most people are natural are pretty BS good. meters. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and sometimes you just want to, you know, if you need to read up, except and get, refresh yourself before you go in, then yeah. you should absolutely do that. It's um, yeah. it's it's actually a good way to um, keep yourself sharp on on certain things that maybe you haven't touched in a while. So, uh, so HR screen, culture screen, technical screen, and then we would get into the negotiation stuff from there, which of course, I mean, there's, I I don't feel a need to talk about that because it's so yeah. varied. Every organization it's not does. interesting. They, well, it's not, it's interesting. not interesting. It's fully baked. Every organization does their own witchcraft around it and, you know, does their own ceremonial stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a verbal offer. Then there's a formal offer or whatever the process is. It's you right. Know, but, right. but the process our our process there and mine has changed i know we're we're running are you able to to go a little longer uh uh, or you gotta yeah i can do a little bit i can do a little bit okay i want to cut however hold on before you go into it um since i promised that we would talk about the you know like the secrets and and the but all of that stuff that i had was around the job listing stuff which we didn't really cover Mm. today so i think let's save if Let's cover what you're talking about, but anything around the job list, getting the getting the candidates, because that's a whole that's a whole art in and of itself. Too. Sourcing is a sourcing thing. is a whole yeah. other thing. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll we'll pick this okay. conversation up with sourcing. We'll yeah. wrap it up so here with the actual interview process. So go ahead. Yeah, we're we're running tight. So how mine has evolved since then? Because I want to hear I want to hear what you're doing now. Okay, sure. and, and and how it's different. How mine has evolved. My my process is very similar. I don't have the HR uh, engagement that that we did. Yeah. Um, so my process. Uh, I also no longer have those uh, the automated technical test. Um, so uh, on some teams, uh, we will send a brief exercise to the candidate. Um, hiring managers decided that that that's what they preferred over a quick test. 
um, up front. So that's fine. We're playing with it. It's an experiment. Everything's in beta, right? We're just trying to suck less. Um, the difference, though, is that for the positions I have open at the moment, they're they're local to headquarters, uh, which are um, local local headquarters office. Um, not remote so is your point. Not I'm remote. not exactly so. Yeah. So I'm not posting a remote position on Stack Overflow anymore. I'm looking at a local market. I get far. I'm not Way getting less. a thousand applicants nope. in the first week, right? Um, and so I've had to adjust my process because of that, because I don't have a, a trusted partner that I can work with the, the way that we did. But I'm not saying I don't trust HR. <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't have a partner who is able to give me the kind of we time had a partner we had dedicated when I did it. In doing exactly. It, yeah. mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't get the applicants. And I also I don't have uh, I don't have necessarily a partner. I have my hiring managers, but I don't have like a Frank where I can ping pong between different phases and get yep. good feedback. Yep. Um, it's just me in a lot of cases. And so what I've done, um, I still do the same kind of resume screen. I still send the, the form letter. Um, and then the way the, the current round is going, um, basically after a more thorough doc review, I guess that's still part of the phase, right? The, the doc review, um, and then jump right into, I'm not calling it the, the culture fit call anymore. Um, I think attitude and aptitude would be the most correct title for the call. Yeah, I'm just I mean, calling it the human call. Yeah, so I sure. have the human call and then the nerd call and then the team call. So I've actually got three got video interviews okay. on the back end. Right. So so a human call is one on one with the hiring manager. It's what we discussed. I care about who you are and what you're going to be, how you're going to be with the team more than I care what you know. And I've I've told you this before, like. Are you a good, is your attitude a good fit for the team is binary, yes or no? Are you close enough to where I need you to be on the sliding scale of technology skills that I feel comfortable training you up the rest of the way is, is more gray. So right. uh, human call first. I don't talk technology. I don't care at that point. Um, then we go nerd, we go deep, and then team call at the end. Now I'm bringing in um, at least one other manager, if not two. Um, and then potentially also somebody, a contributor from the team you're applying to as well. Right. So I try to make that like a three or four person panel. Um, and that could be technical or non-technical. You know, I, I kind of let that free form. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've started doing at the end, though, and this seems to be interesting and I'm still playing with it. Um, I've got mixed feedback, so I'm, it's still in there. At the end of the team call, the last 10, 15 minutes, the hiring manager bounces. And we do this and we say up front, look, we got the team. It's a panel interview. First 45 minutes, uh, you know, we'll go around. We'll have questions. It'll be a good discussion. Last 15 minutes, the hiring manager is going to leave and you drive the rest of the call. Because what I find, there's always that power dynamic, no matter how casual and friendly and no matter how much you've got the guard down, you're still talking to your potential future boss. Um, you may have questions that you don't feel comfortable asking or, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and so it changes the dynamic when you have the hiring manager step away and you say to the candidate, okay, now the rest 15 minutes, this is your turn. What, what questions do you have? Um, and Are I've you had not actually, the hiring manager had, in this situation? Are you not the hiring manager? Uh, in, a, in, a, in a case where I'm the hiring manager, yeah, I bounce. And, okay, then, so and then there's other people on the call. Um, have you been in the room? But have I've you done them been, where you've been not the hiring manager and you've stayed yes. behind? Okay. So yeah. tell me about that. And I've, and we say explicitly, and this is the rule, and 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 the honest truth is we we keep to this. Nobody knows what you say. Like the hiring manager never finds out what goes on after they leave. Oh. They, that's that's privileged information. Mm. They're not gonna right. Um, 
So as a higher, so me, when like, let's say the team call, I have my managers on a team call because it's a direct report for me. I'm the hiring manager. Mm-hmm. This is this is fire in the pants every day to make sure I'm doing a damn good job because I don't want, uh, you know, I want good things to be said after I leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and hey, that's, so that's uh, a, nice. That's a good way of it's keeping yourself honest. It's and interesting I, and dynamic. I have had. I don't have a double standard like I, I, everybody does it, even me. Um, and I've actually had people ask, okay, great, hiring manager left. What are their weaknesses? What are your concerns about them? Like I've, I've had that, that question asked point blank. Um, and uh, it's, and anyway, it's, it's always interesting to see what, to see what people say hmm. uh, or what they want to know or if it changes at all. Sometimes that's it a, doesn't change at all. That's a neat, that's a neat angle. I like that. It's a twist. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a, a cool twist. twist. Um, yeah. All right. So, so my anyway, pro- so that's so I don't have the volume problem anymore. So the funnel, the funnel that we designed where like I have to cut 50 percent of my applicants, I wind up getting to a human call with almost every applicant unless they're clearly a bad fit because I may only get five in a week. You know right. what I mean? Like I don't have the numbers. Don't I don't numbers. need the funnel and I don't I can't afford to be necessarily that uh, cutthroat about it. Right. Um, again, not, I'm struggling to find the right word because cutthroat is not what we were going for, but no, no, um, it's, uh, you know, it, I, 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 I so got that's you. how, and I yeah, think there's enough context here to, to illustrate that you're right, not actually right. being a, so that's, a so that's how my, my process. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be at least about nozzle. this so that's, anyway, in this, you know, yeah, well, what one, happens the other 23 hours a day? In this, I, right. Know, right. Yeah. In this one instance, um, you know. So that's that's how minus change is still kind of essentially what what we had, what we designed. Um, mm-hmm. But again, kind of influenced by environmental factors. Gotcha. So what are you so what are you up to now? All right. So um, so my company is still 100 percent remote. So we still do deal with the All right, you um, don't have to see I have to gloat. Come on. <laughs> so we still deal with uh, with the flood. Um we have a uh, so I came in. There was a it was an established process, and I have just slowly inserted. That made me think of a sorry. That made me think of an ancient Halo reference, the flood. Oh, the flood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 un, no undead body parts coming at us. That's it's not that kind <laughs> of flood. Um, well, in my mind, now there are. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I don't have the Gregorian chant. I don't have the Gregorian chant mm. to go along with this. So yeah. That's it. That's as close as I can there get right now. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so we we do remote, so we do still deal with the flood, and uh, but the process that I came into, I I have, um, I, I effectively inherited. Um, mm-hmm. There was a uh, there was an HR person. There, they they had a a frontline HR recruiter who did some specialized headhunting and actually went for you know sought opportunities, but also screened. And that is that is the first step in this process. And then they set up our technical screen. Our technical screen is really the the bread and butter and what what makes uh, our company unique because the screen is done by engineers, any engineer on our team. It's an expert model consulting agency. And so these are all high level people. Um, We uh, so we put two or three engineers in the room with this person and we have it set up so that the applicant doesn't actually directly write the code. The team writes the code and they're screen sharing the whole time. So they they set up, here's the code, here's the scenario, here's where I've got my, my command line box. When I hit this command, it'll run, it'll execute, and, 
and I, I will basically be your hands and I'll actually kind of collaborate on the on the cha- on the the question with you. But you're so going to tell me what to up do the problem and shares the code up to a point, And then the candidate has to tell them what steers. to type to they complete. steer explicitly. OK, uh, now the, the the setup is complete. It's got like we, we've got a we have a basic we have a basic framework for the question there. So. You know, we we can demonstrate, okay, here you do this. And then if I if I run this, then this is gonna happen. And so we lay like a foundation for we lay a we lay out a field in which to in which to run. And then it's up to them to run around the field. And you know, um we will have them and so they they walk through it. This is really neat from a uh from an assessment perspective, because you got a couple things going on here. They're not directly writing the code, which means their communication skill gets taxed. They are, which we want. We're a consulting agency. You know, it's part of the deal. Um, they will. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm stepping around things because I don't want to talk in in too too much detail and give away things. Um, yeah, but yeah. You're, but it's it's communication, so we're taxing your consulting skills. We're taxing your technical skills without, um, and you don't have to without you having to write code. So it works really well in a remote setting. You don't all have to be in the yeah. room. Um, I can even I could interview with my phone if I if I needed if you to. really needed to. You could inter- yeah. you could take the interview from your phone. And um, it also eliminates the need for it to be language dependent. And in fact, we have seen good results with people taking the test on a language that they're not familiar with uh, Mm. because they're, you know, they're focused on the concepts and then they have to describe Mm -hmm. the concepts. And then it's up to the driver who does know the language that they're writing, understandably. Right. Does that present a challenge where... Where the the interviewer like is that too much to hold in their head that they're trying to interpret the code and write it and also like do they really get a good sense that they're getting good feedback on the candidate? Like, well, yeah, I feel like that would be because the entire and, and it's an entire missing out. It's a pair programming exercise. I mean, they're they're literally entrenched in there. I mean, it's them with the the candidate working a problem. And so they actually have the best view of that client of that candidate since they're in there with them. But to your point, there's always another person in the room who is actually responsible for uh, keeping score, so to speak, in the background. Oh, okay. So we we keep we do have. So you got a second set of eyes. We have a second set of eyes and there is a list of criteria that that person is looking for and keeping Mm -hmm. track of. and. So they they do that together, complete the criteria, talk to each other, put together a final recommendation and 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 that moves it moves it on from there. Um, the interesting thing compared to to bring this back, compared to our original process, having this this particular construct means that I because I usually handle the next stage, which is a um aptitude and attitude i think was the term that you used it's it's that kind of an interview mm-hmm. i don't have i don't say no to as many candidates at that stage as i did with our process because so much of that skill set is actually being assessed 
in the first one. You're seeing who they are as a person. You're seeing how they work. You're seeing how they communicate. You're, you're getting all that soft skill mixed with, excuse me, mixed with the technical. And so very rarely do I get one and I go, I don't know how the heck you got past our first level. <laughs> you know, that just doesn't yeah. happen. So, um, but it, I mean, on occasion it does. And when that happens, we take it back, we review with the team who assess them and figure out where the gap is. And so this process is always improving. We actually have an internal committee that is dedicated. It's a bunch of engineers who uh, are dedicated to fostering and promoting the efficiency and efficacy of this of this screening process. It has its own name, it has its own team, and we're always pushing that ball forward. We're always improving it. Um, so that's really unique and really cool. And then uh, I do some follow-up, which is more of you know more of the same kind of thing that we talked about. And then we move into the you know the final screening stages. Um, it's interesting. Af- it's after interesting. I do my piece, so there's the, there's that front front end technical thing, and then I do my piece, and then the two teams from both meetings because I don't do my piece alone. I do it with someone else in the room too, to avoid bias. We get all of those people together and come to a final decision and discuss. And discuss. interesting, yeah. Interesting. And that's also where we like, uh, where we'll pull together learnings. Okay. I saw this in the manager meeting. How did we miss this at the first stage? What can we do to try and catch this? And um, Mm -hmm. so it's a self-reinforcing, self-improving cycle. And you can't really, the nice thing is you, you hear horror stories about questions showing up on Glassdoor, like, you know, the tech screen questions or the interview questions showing up on Glassdoor doesn't really matter because <laughs> yeah. you still got to get in there and do it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So that's nice. That's it's uh, it, it's it's elegant and advanced in in that way. Um, but it's doing the same kinds of things that we did. It's just going about it a different way. It's a very clever, yeah. very clever design. Yeah, that's interesting. All right. I. Um, so I uh, I apologize. I did not actually cover any of the uh, the front end of this stuff, the sourcing. So we will come back to sourcing next week. And three. We, talk pro- about we that. cannot keep three promises in a row. This is oh, an unreasonable I think we can. expectation. Uh, I think it's unreasonable. Do. I, I think don't want we people can do thinking. Uh, I'm worried about <laughs> yeah. this. I'm so and, and and I will. And, and since I have the opportunity, I'll tease it. We will have. Uh, there are three things that you and I both know that we look for on resumes and applications generally that are immediate, you know, just kind of, oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it just kind of causes that that resume to float just a little bit higher than the others. And not, I haven't seen anyone else give these things the same attention that we have. And it has worked every single time. That we well, have. now you've got me questioning whether or not I could list the three. I think you could. <laughs> I th- I'm pretty sure you could. So anyway, we will. I will give those out next week. And no. uh, we, when we talk about how you actually write up your job listing and sourcing, we talked a little bit about Stack Overflow. We'll go into a little bit deeper dive on that kind of stuff. Um, but um, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Take us home, Chris. Well, this has been episode 18 of the Refactored Podcast, where it's our goal to suck a little less every day. If you want more information about the show, you can hit us up at refactored.work. Feedback at refactored.work. If you want to get in touch, please do. 
Uh, you can find Frank's ramblings on the global interwebs at www.frank. Uh, I'm sorry, www.hotcoals.com. K-O-E-H-L-S. And myself, you can find me at chris.tonkinson.com. That's where I do interwebs. Frank, I will see you next week, brother. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers.